Man, it's good to be with you guys this morning, and uh, grateful to grateful to worship. Thank you guys. Thank you, the band, for leading us this morning. Pretty pretty awesome stuff. A um, couple things, uh, just while I'm thinking about it, we have uh, a roundtable kind of a brainstorming discussion happening today. If you're interested uh, in the disability ministry that we're hoping to uh, start in the days to come, if you are interested in that. Uh, it is too late to sign up, so you'll have to get your own food, uh, And uh, but you can come to the meeting. I'm sure that they would love to have you, uh, and it is right after the second service today. So uh, if you want to come back for that or if you're serving next service and would like to stay for that, just uh, hang around and uh, we'll get you in on that. Um, and, oh, maybe there was something else I was going to tell you. I don't know. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on. God's, oh, uh, the retreat. We have the retreat coming up. Uh, if you have not signed up for the retreat, do it now uh, because the space actually is limited. And that's not based upon something we're setting. It's based upon how many rooms are at uh, Barkley Lodge. Uh, I mean, if you just hate having a good time and hanging out with people that uh, most likely would get you in trouble uh, if we weren't all packed together at a lodge for the weekend, uh, uh, you know, then don't come. But uh, if you'd like to have a good time and uh, learn about Jesus and uh, get to know uh, some of these crazies a little better, uh, I encourage you to be there. Uh, we've done a couple of these, and they have been fantastic. We have all loved them, and I uh, hope that you can make it to go with us. Uh, but do sign up. You can do that through the church app. You can do that at the front desk. You can do it on the website, I think. I don't know. There's, we, we try to do it like every which way. Uh, you could probably... I don't know. I'm going to start making stuff up. Uh, what's that? Carrier pigeon. Yeah, maybe. You never know. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, we're, we're trying, trying to help you. So, but, uh, no, we're glad you're here this morning. Uh, the Lord is doing some pretty awesome stuff around here. And uh, uh, just to make mention of, of, you know, just we, I think there's like 16 people going through membership classes right now. Uh, last weekend, we had the most people, I think, that we've had outside of an Easter in years, uh, you know, which is awesome. It's just, it's just good, good to see uh, the church continuing to grow. Uh, please know uh, that if you're here and you're visiting with us and you're trying to figure out if this is home or not, uh, if you have questions, whatever, please know that we're, we'd love to talk with you. We'd love for you to reach out. If you turn in a card, I'm going to call you. Don't be afraid to answer your phone. I know most people are these days. They're like, oh, it's a scammer, you know. So whatever, I'll leave you a voicemail. So uh, if you have it turned on, for some of those extra introverts out there, I know who you are, and I know you don't turn your voicemails on, and you're weird. Stop it. So I'm kidding. Not really, but whatever. <laughs> There's no judgment here. It's all grace, so. Uh, let's jump into this today. Uh, we've got another off week here uh, for me to uh, kind of bounce around in the scriptures for a minute before we start a new series next week on Proverbs um, and uh, the wisdom literature, and so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, but uh, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles. They'll give you a Bible if you throw your hand in the air and wave it like you just don't care. They will bring it to you. You can have it and keep it if you don't own one. And if you just need to borrow it, that's fine too. We're starting with Luke chapter 19 today. Luke chapter 19. 
And in Luke chapter 19, we have one of these passages of Scripture that if you grew up in the church, you know this passage. Like, you know this passage because especially as a kid, there was probably a felt board involved. There were songs involved. Uh, This is about this uh, little, wee, wee little man, and wee little man was he. And he climbed up in a sycamore tree. For the Lord he wanted to see. You got it. So uh, we're talking about this guy named Zacchaeus today. And actually, we're, we're, he's, you know, we are talking about him today, but he's springboarding us into a conversation this morning. And I was in this conversation, I was joking with staff uh, this past week, which was actually not really much of a joke as it really was true, that when I have off weeks like this and I haven't planned ahead for any off weeks, um, uh, it can be a dangerous thing because as a pastor, you can like, you can stare at scripture for uh, like 40 hours and go, well, I could talk about that. I could talk about that. I could talk about that. And, uh, and somewhere in there, usually you land the plane on something. You just feel like the Lord is, is speaking to your heart about or whatever. And, uh, but then a lot of times, you know, when I have an off week, I'm, I'm praying and asking God, God, what do you want for us as a church? What's important for us to hear right now from you? What is important that you want us to know what is something, what's, what's a truth, even if it's a truth that we've heard a thousand times, what's a truth that we just need to hear again. Uh, and so, of course, you know, last week, uh, you know, I talked, um, I talked through uh, all the stuff that we went, went through in, in kind of landing the plane with, you know, who Jesus is in our lives and, and, and who are we going to be in this world for him, so to speak. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of a rubber hits the road. Like, what's he calling us to do? What's he calling you to do? We have a calling, and we started out in that passage from Ephesians four, where Paul talks about how to walk in a manner worthy of that calling and what that looks like. And it used all kinds of words. And actually, we're going to talk. We're going to come back to that and talk about that in a minute. But uh, in, in general, you know, I've had some conversations even with people this week that were like, you know, you've talked about that before in the past, Chris, and I'm still like wrestling with what is my calling. And, and I, I want us to be clear, yes, yeah, yes, you can, yes, volunteer orientation is on the 29th of this month and you could sign up and be a part of the body that way. Yes, you can do that and you should, but not just are we called to be a part of the body body for the kingdom of God, we are called to be a people in this world for the kingdom of God. So it's, so it's a both and. So even if, even if you haven't figured out like a place to serve within the body, to be a part of fulfilling that call that we have as the body, then we have still the calling of everyday life and who God is calling us to be and what does that look like for each and every one of us. And, and that's such an important thing for us to ask questions about. And, and really at the end of the day, the bottom line is, is that we are all disciples. We are all disciples. And disciples do something. And, and I, brought, we brought, I brought up that I was thinking about discipleship as, as kind of, you know, talking about that today. Uh, with staff earlier this week, and, and Nathan actually brought up, he said, you know, maybe the question is, you know, he's like, you know, obviously you can talk about a lot of things with discipleship. You can talk about making disciples, which we'll hit that when we're in Proverbs. Um, but he said, he, he said the statement that it's been a long time since I really thought about this statement, which is a true statement, and that's that we are all disciples of something. 
So what are we disciples of? What are you a disciple of? You know, I mean, and, and we, 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 become, we become the greatest disciples of like all sorts of things, whether it's job related or hobby related or relationship related or whatever it is. Like, I mean, like we're just like laser focused sometimes trying to figure out, you know, what does it look like for us to, to know the most about a thing? You know, we're, we're great at that, you know, and, and basically it becomes like literally like something oftentimes where we're just like worshiping a thing, even, you know. And so this morning I felt like we were looking for a springboard maybe as to, you know, what does it look like for us to be disciples and what's it look like for us to be disciples specifically of Jesus. I want to read through the story of Zacchaeus, Luke chapter 19, verse 1, and it says this. It says, He entered Jericho and was passing through, talking about Jesus, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was rich, right? And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature, meaning he was vertically challenged. Verse 4, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the, to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zycus, hurry and come down, for I must say, must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, the people around, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and I have defrauded anyone of anything. I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is an amazing story of, of what God can do. You know, and, and I know that many of us are familiar with the story, but a lot of people are probably not familiar with the story. And at the very basic understanding of this story, what we have is we have this guy who was uh, a, a tax collector, but he wasn't just a tax collector. We don't know a whole lot about this position, but we know he was a chief tax collector. We also know that this was never, ever used again. This terminology was never used again for a tax collector anywhere else in the New Testament. So we can pretty much assume he was like a head guy in charge, okay? And so, you know, one, one, one thing that we know for sure is he was rich, now, you have to know something about tax collectors historically that at that moment in time in history, a tax collector oftentimes really was a crook. They were really just, I mean, you know, I know we all love paying taxes anyway, and we all have our feelings about those things. And sometimes where we get added on uh, to pay this or that on this or that. Uh, and this was similar, but it really even worse because the tax collectors of that day were more kind of like, the mafia coming around and collecting their dues. And it was more of a like, you know, it wasn't just a percentage. It was usually a percentage. And then 
whatever the tax collector felt that they deserved extra. And so they could tax, you know, money, they could tax, you know, animals, food, whatever it may be, uh, you know, that they had. They're like, well, I think you should give me some of your chickens too, you know, which today in this day and age, maybe the chickens are the most valuable thing right now. I don't know what is up with the eggs, but whatever. I mean, doesn't everybody have like a hen house now in Cheatham County? Like, shouldn't we be okay here? Like, this shouldn't affect us, right? I see people on my neighborhood page, people in this church who are like, I got some eggs for sale. You can come by the house. We can discuss the price. I'm like, wow. Okay. You know who you are. Zykis, chief tax collector, rich, small in stature. Now, because of the felt board memories that I have of Zykis growing up, for whatever reason, I think I made Zykis up to be like some guy that was in the WWF wrestling back then. But he was too small to wrestle, so he was like somebody's hype man who ran around wearing some like ridiculous outfit because he's rich, you know? And I'm like, okay, you got this like rich little guy, you know, and he's, you know, whatever. He's going around and telling people what to do, and he's the head honcho, and he's got a lot of money. I don't know. It's just what happens as a kid, I guess, uh, especially in the 80s. And so, uh, yeah. And so we see, he literally climbs up in this tree to see Jesus as Jesus is coming by. And of course, Jesus sees him. Jesus is like, hey, bro, get down here. I'm going to stay at your house. You know, I think this is an interesting take on this because, you know, Jesus could have just been like, hey, we're just, we're, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to hang out for the afternoon or, you know, I need to talk to you for a few minutes or whatever. This is a bit different of a deal. And he does it in front of the crowd. And, of course, we see the crowd's response in verse 7. It said, they all grumbled and they say he has gone into the, to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. So Jesus is making a public statement with this act of not just wanting to spend some time with the guy, but literally I'm coming to stay at your house. You know, I think, I think for so many of us as believers, I think that, you know, oftentimes we want Jesus to lead us into doing these great things, you know, these great mission opportunities or whatever. And the truth is that sometimes he just wants to lead us to the house. And he wants us to be him there. Now, we won't go too far into that because I don't think doctrinally there's a whole lot to stand on there with that. But I think we're looking at a situation here where we're seeing a man, a probably a guy who felt like he was a self-made man. I don't know. Maybe he was born into being rich or whatever it is, and that's very possible uh, too. But either way, a man who probably felt like he really didn't need a whole lot. But for whatever reason, he wanted to see Jesus. And through this happening of circumstances, and we don't know if it happened maybe before Jesus or it was the time with Jesus, but even verse 6, it says, so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. So we have this instance there where we know that Zacchaeus is, is excited to see Jesus and he's excited that he wants to go to his house. And then we've got the judgment of the whole crowd, right? You know, I feel like that sometimes when I go into a restaurant. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like having a mohawk sometimes doesn't do you any favors in the South. 
I'm just saying. And people will stare, and I've just gotten to the point where it's like, okay, I'm going to stare at the table until you guys get done looking at this. I've had people, this was years ago, I've had people move tables away from me, and I hear them. I'm like, I can hear you. You're, and they're telling the waiter, like, we want to move away from that guy. And I'm like, Are, am I going to throw the salsa at you? What is wrong with these people? I don't know. Anyway. But what we see is we see a guy who has it all, okay? I mean, let, let's face it. The world, the world teaches us that to have it all is to be rich, right? If we're rich, we can have whatever we want. We can do whatever we want, right? This is, this is the, you know, this is the, this is the thing that, that the media is trying to sell us constantly. And, and so we've got a guy who's there. And then in the midst of being there, he goes to see Jesus and something's happening either before, during, after this whole process. We pick up verse 8. It says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I, I give to the poor. This is, I, I think this is interesting that this is the verse right after the verse of like judgment from the crowd. Like verse 7, it's like they all grumbled, they all looked, oh, he's great, he's going to go be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And the very next verse is Zacchaeus, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. He is, he is convicted and he is repentant. He is repenting of his sin to the Savior of the world. And, and I, I, you know, I'd love to have like a, you know, 10-minute conversation with Zykiss to just ask him a couple questions. One of those being like, hey, bro, did you like really know who Jesus was or was it just like being in his presence like brought you to your knees to the point that you just knew that you needed to confess all this stuff? Like what happened there? It doesn't matter. I'm just curious about it, you know. Either way, he's with Jesus and, and, and just being with Jesus, I would believe would be enough to like bring you to your knees and just help you to see like, oh my gosh, I am such a terrible person. I am a sinner and I need a savior. And in verse nine, and Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he is the son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. He did not come to save the perfect and already got it together because that doesn't exist. There is no perfect and got it all together. Folks, we are all sinners, and we all need Jesus. It's like his, at least on this day of his life, came into this understanding, and Jesus, I think, helps clarify that it happened on that day, because he says, today, salvation has come to this house. And then he goes on and he gives the reason why in which he came himself. He's like, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You ever run from the Lord? You ever run from God? You ever go the other direction? Maybe something that he's put on your life, something, some calling, some, some something. I remember a moment in my life where 
I really, really, this when I was a teenager, I really, really did not want to go into the ministry. I had seen my father just deal with people in ways that, uh, just unfortunate, I'll just put it that way, over the years. And uh, when I felt the Lord leading me to do that, I made it known, and it was like, it was like an automatic response to the Lord the day that I knew that that was real and that was happening in my life. And so I made it known. But then it's like, as soon as I made it known, I was like, what did I do? Oh gosh, you know? And so like, I like withdrew almost kind of from that a little bit. And I, I sought out this other path. I'm going to, okay, well, I, you know, I'll just, I'll do, I'll do, I'll do rock and roll for Jesus. Okay. And I'll, you know, went work for a record label and all these things, you know. And the truth is, is that he finds us wherever we are. He came to seek and save the lost. You can't run from him. I can't run from him. So I kiss wasn't even really trying to run from him. Maybe he was earlier in his life, you know. We'll, we'll give him that. But here in this moment, we see Jesus seek him out, call him down, and say, I'm coming to stay at your house. Stay at your house. I think the thing that we see here that's the most amazing is, is the process of repentance in Zacchaeus' life. The repentance that we see, and repentance does this, repentance leads us to salvation. We don't get to just take the salvation without the repentance. And Scripture, scripture gives us what sin looks like and all that, and we can talk about all of that till we're blue in the face. Um, and he convicts and all those things. And, and we love to say, well, you know, I, you know I, I, I've mostly you know, turned from my sin. But that's, that's, not, that's not who God's looking for in us as disciples. He's not looking for people who've mostly turned from their sin. He's looking for us to completely turn and repent of our sin and leave it at his feet because Jesus died on the cross that we would be free from it. Free from it. And that's a, that's a big statement for us today, that Jesus died that we'd be free from our sin not still be slaves to parts of it or think that we could keep some of it in the closet like a chia pet, you know? <laughs> I, love, I love that you love that. That made me happy. But I mean, that's, the, that's what we do, right? And we're like, oh, God won't mind. Here, here's the deal. It's not about check boxes with the Lord. It's not about check boxes with the Lord. He, he doesn't want us to fall into those things because he knows what's good for us and what's not. Period. That's the bottom line. You know? Don't run into traffic. I don't want you to get hit by a car. To a four- or five-year-old little boy named Cash... Not to get specific, has at times meant, oh, you just don't want me to run into traffic and I'm going to try that out now, right? We love him and we don't want him to be hurt. 
and the Lord loves you, and the same thing applies. He cares about you. He created you, created the world. And therefore, he knows the stuff in it that's good for us and the stuff that is not. Folks, I don't care how rich you are, how much you got going on in this world, how great your life is. You are never too far from the reach of the Lord. And when we realize that we are sinners and that we need saving, something happens in our hearts, we see it here in Zykis' life, and we repent, we turn from our ways to follow the Lord, and we are sorry for the wrong that we have committed, and we, and we pursue Jesus instead of pursuing those things. Repent and believe. Receive God's grace through the work of Jesus. And, and, and you may literally, if you're not a believer today, you may literally feel God tugging on your heart today to just say, come, he's maybe he's saying to you, come to me today. And, and you might just be like, I don't know what to do. And I'm just telling you, I would just encourage you to repent of your sin, confess it, confess it to the Lord. Believe in what Christ has done in life and on the cross and through an empty tomb and receive the undeserved mercy, God's grace in your life. And in turn, you will receive new life and victory over death. It's an amazing, amazing thing. We're never too far away from the love of God. And God can save anyone who is willing to repent and follow him. So we're disciples. We are disciples. What, what, what are you a disciple of? There's a question again. Maybe you don't know the answer. You really had thought enough about it. I don't know. But I think it's a question worth asking. Like, what are we disciples of? You know, occupations, favorite shows, hobbies, you name it. We follow something or we follow someone, you know. So I was looking around in some spots that I, I, I like looking for good content, good biblical content, one of those places, desiringgod.org. And uh, a pastor by the name of Jonathan Parnell had a, had a, uh, a little thing that he had written up there uh, about what, are, what is a disciple. And I'll be honest with you, it was, it was so good that just the basic bones of it, I was just like, man, I just got to share that. But he gets the credit for, for throwing some of that together there. And, and he comes up with three things that we see in Scripture. There may be more, but he comes up with three specific things that we see in Scripture that help define what a disciple of Jesus looks like. And I want us to look at those just really quick. The first one is, and uh, we see it in John 4, verse 23. In John 4, verse 23, we see this. It says, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So one of the, one of the first thing that we see that I truly believe is uh, an element of what makes a disciple of Christ is that we are worshipers. And so, so again, really the same thing that can be said for a disciple is that you're a disciple of something can also be said for being a worshiper. You're a worshiper of something. Like, what are you worshiping? We did this whole, whole series called Idol Factory not that long ago. It's basically all about the fact that we, our hearts, 
you know, are idol makers. Like we, we attach ourselves to things and we make that thing like our ultimate thing in life or whatever it is. And so we're pursuing that, whatever that is. And as we're doing that, what we realize a lot of times is that we've taken something, often something good, and we have put our worship from the Lord, the worship that God has created us to make, and we give it to something else. We don't mean to a lot of times. It kind of just happens, you know? Wake up and we're like, oh my gosh, I've kind of put, you know, these other things, you know, before the Lord even in my life. Here in this passage, we see John Jesus, John helped pen it for us, but we see Jesus talking about this whole whole idea that he wants us to be worshipers. Why? He wants us to have a relationship with him. He wants us to spend time with him. And here's the truth. If you spend time, like real time with the Lord, I'm not talking about like, you know, you just go into church, you listen to Caleb or something, I don't know. Uh, that's all great, and, can, and these things can be worshipped too. But I'm talking about if you spend real time in those things, in Bible study, prayer, song, whatever it may be through his word, the natural response to being with the Lord is to worship him. I think that's what we see with Zacchaeus. I think we see a guy who's like, Oh, I'm with Jesus for just a moment here, and all of a sudden my life is changing. Here's all the stuff I've done wrong. I'm going to make it all right. Jesus is like, salvation has come to this house today. Right? These are Jesus' words, and if we're following him, we're going to worship him. We're going to worship God. He will be our idol. He will be our everything. We'll adore him. He'll shape us. He'll mold us. He'll give us reason not this world or anyone in it, to keep going. We can't look to the things of this world or the people even that are in it to keep us going. We need Jesus. Like That's really the equation. It's like We really need him. And he loves us enough that he created us to worship him, to grow in him, to be more like him, that we would want to do that and that we would get to know him more, the very thing that we need the most. The second thing that we see is servants. We're called to serve. We talked about that in some length last week, so I'm not going to go too far with it. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting to note, you know, Mark, uh, if you're just taking notes, we're not going there, but Mark 10:45, you know, where we see Jesus saying, you know, I came, he came, I came to serve, serve, came to serve, but not to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, where, you know, we also see him washing the disciples' feet, you know, people's feet, like washing people's feet. This is a big deal at that point in time in history, like washing somebody's feet was like the ultimate, like, sign of humility toward them because people's feet were nasty, okay? They were nasty. Like, you know, some of y'all got some nasty feet. I'm just telling you, like, back then, you know, no shoes, some sometimes having some sandals, whatever it may be some nasty feet going around, okay? Like it was, it was a whole different ball game. And so like saying, hey, I want to wash your feet, that was like, oh, really? Like, you sure about that? You may catch something while you're in the process. 
Jesus showed ultimate humility toward one another, to other folks in acts of service like that. John 13, and I think this is interesting, in verse 34 it says this, it says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Great, right? Yeah, well, we're not surprised. You know, Jesus is telling us to love one another. Surprise there, right? No, verse 35, check this out. By this, by this, all people will know if you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So this is actually like showing the world if we are a disciple or not in how we love others. This is a, this is a fruit. If we have the fruit, it's proof that we must be a disciple of Christ. And if we go back to that passage from Ephesians 4 that we talked about last week, where he says, walk in a manner worthy of your call, there's some wording there that he uses in what that walk looks like and how we should walk that I think is very, very fitting for this moment. And he says this, he's, it, the, the words that we are to walk in are humility, gentleness. I know dudes love to hear that. We need you to be a little more gentle, okay? Right? Humility, gentleness, patience, love, and eager to keep unity. This is, this is who we're called to be. This is us loving and serving one another and our neighbors. This is who we've been called to be. And this is us living out. Again, this isn't about checkboxes, folks. Don't fall into the legalism trap. That's not what this is about. This is about a changed life. This is about being like Zykis and realizing, oh my gosh, the Lord has saved me. The Lord has changed my life. And therefore, I want to repent. And I want to follow you. And I want to give those people their stuff back times four. I'll do anything for you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You died on the cross for me, Jesus. Like, I'm so undeserving of your grace, Jesus. The least I could do is get to serve you, get to love others with humility, gentleness, patience, love, and eager to keep the unity of the body. Absolutely, I want to do this. Absolutely, we want to do this as a church, right? And the third thing, the third thing that we see as the mark of a disciple is that we are witnesses. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. We've been given a mission. You know, there's, that, there's those words like the beginning of the great, the great commandment, right? Uh, the great commission, I'm sorry, in Matthew 20. And, and we have, you know, this understanding, as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. Jesus is saying that, and he's given us this mission. We've been given a task to make him known, right? To make him known, literally to make him known. It's not like a, you know, a suggested, you know, kind of thing. It's like, this is your calling. This is your calling. Last week we talked about the whole calling thing. Don't. Don't make it too hard. It really is so simple. It's like we're called to make Christ known. We got X amount of time to do it. He's put X amount of people in our lives on purpose for us to be light to them as he was light to us. We're called to be witnesses. Romans 10 says this in verse 14. Romans 10, 14. 
It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Folks, you're not born a follower of Jesus. You're not born a follower of Jesus. At some point in your life, what happens to Zykiss happens to you. I, I, hope, I hope it does. I hope it does. And I hope that you understand that. Like at some point, we hear the gospel according to Romans 10. At some point, we hear the gospel. And so faith comes, verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ to know who Jesus is and what he's done for us in giving his life on the cross. He took, he took our place. He took our place. Do we keep that a secret? Do we keep that to ourselves? Why? Why? We can't. We were created for something different. We're running on like half the engine. We got like four out of eight cylinders doing the thing. If we're not sharing Jesus with the people in our lives, if we're not being Jesus to the people in our lives, if they're not seeing us be worshipers of Jesus in our lives... What'd he say? What'd he say after that whole, as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. You remember what he said? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And don't forget, he says, I'm going with you. I'm going with you. You won't be alone. And any, anyone, Literally anyone. It doesn't matter how far away from the Lord you think you are. It doesn't matter how bad of something you think that you've done in your life. There is literally nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Literally anyone can believe and receive and be saved. All who do are called to be worshipers, servants, and witnesses into this world of who Jesus is in their life. And today, I'm challenging all of us to simply follow Jesus. Be a disciple of Christ. If you've never followed Jesus before today, I would love to talk to you about that. I'm going to go out there in the foyer in just a minute when I walk off this stage. If you want to come talk to me with, about that, let me pray with you about that, just help you. I'd love to do that. Let's pray. God, help us. We need your help. Help us, Lord, 
to be your disciples, your followers. Change us. Change our priorities. Change our hearts to look like yours. God, may we not keep to ourselves what you have done for us, but Lord, may we share it with others. Lord, may it be natural. May it not be check boxes. God, may it overflow from our hearts from what you've done in us. Lord, we are so grateful for your grace and your mercy. God, help us. Help us to be true worshipers. May it not be fake for us. God, help us to be your witnesses. God, help us to be your servants. God, may how we love others, may they see your love. May they experience your love through us. God, for anyone that has never believed for today, has never truly turned and followed you and laid it at your feet, God, I pray for that person today, right now. God, I lift them up to you. God, I pray that today would be the day they laid at your feet and they'd call out to you and they'd say, Lord, here it is. Here's my junk. I know that I can't get rid of it without you. Lord, I need you and I need you to save me from it. God, be my Lord today. Thank you for Jesus today. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for an empty tomb. God, thank you for new life. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be able to defeat death. God, that is your work and not ours. God, what an amazing thing you've done through us and in us. God, be glorified in us as you change our hearts and change our lives. May we glorify you as we go. In your name we pray. Amen.